This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. Well, good evening. It is great to be back with everybody listening by way of radio this evening. This is Brother Matthew, and I have recently been continuing a series of sermons on marriage, specifically looking at the husband's role towards his wife. And the last time I talked about this was two weeks ago, two Sunday evenings ago, and we did not quite finish out the husband's physical duties. I do want to get into the husband's spiritual duties, and I think I will do that to some extent in this lesson. But I don't want to leave any stone unturned as it pertains to the physical duties. So the only one that I did not cover and I need to deal with it, is the area of sexual intimacy. Now, this is an often overlooked and underpreached area, and I do not want to be guilty of such overlooking and underpreaching. I can understand why it's not preached on much, because it can be a ticklish topic at times, and a secretive topic to some extent, and I think it should be kept secretive to some extent, but the Bible does deal with it, so preachers and teachers should not be afraid or ashamed or embarrassed to teach about it in the proper setting at their local congregation or like I'm doing on this series of radio broadcasts. Sexual intimacy is a breathtaking, entertaining gift that Yahweh, the Almighty Creator, has given to the husband and the wife. And a marriage that lacks in sex is going to lack elsewhere. Intimacy is where the two parties, male and female, become one in a very close-knit and secretive way. And this is why the Bible speaks against men pursuing harlots. A man who lies with a harlot becomes one with that harlot. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 15 through 16. And this shows us that the intimacy of sex and how it is to be permitted only in the marriage bed. Let me push the issue, though, that not only is it to be permitted in the marriage bed, but it's also to be a blissful and intoxicating time for both the husband and the wife. Now, that may sound plain. You may have never heard a teacher of the Bible say it like that. But let's see what Yahweh says about it and see if I was plain enough. I guess I'll start with a text in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 through 19, where the scripture reads, Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful fawn, let her breasts always satisfy you. Be lost in her love forever. Now, if you thought that Brother Matthew was plain, here we see Solomon is probably a little plainer than I am in Proverbs chapter 5. 
We learn here that you are to take pleasure in your wife, and specifically in her love, and as the text plainly states here in Proverbs 5, it says, I didn't write it, it says, her breasts. We're talking about sexual intimacy here, and the intimacy that a man has with his beloved and precious and honored and cherished wife. It's interesting to note that the word lost, when it says be lost in her love, in that last phrase, that is the Hebrew word shagah. And this word is usually used in scripture in the sense of somebody going astray from the proper way. For example, in the same book, Proverbs 19, verse 27, we read, If you stop listening to instruction, my son, you will stray shagah from the words of knowledge. See, the word stray here is the same Hebrew word. And what the author of Proverbs 5 is telling us in that particular context is that we are literally to be strayed away in and ravished and lost and wandering in the love of our wife forever. And this is how a husband should treat sexual activity with his wife. It shouldn't be something that's timed or it shouldn't be something that he desires to get over with. He should take his time in order to be lost in the love of his wife. And I also want to mention the section here concerning the breasts. And the only reason for my bluntness is because we are dealing with keeping marriages together. That's what this series has been about. I've seen tragedies in broken homes and in broken marriages and I'm teaching these lessons in hopes that Yahweh will use them to keep marriages together. So that's why I'm being blunt. Sexual activity outside of the marriage bed is sin. It is transgression of the law. And it leads to, if not repented of, it leads to no inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Sexual intimacy within the marriage bed should not be looked upon in the same light. But I think, and I'm afraid, that people have a tendency to do so. See, sex is a beautiful gift that can be discussed bluntly in a proper context. And the only proper context, though, is within a scriptural marriage. See, if the Bible teaches it, or if Yahweh teaches it, we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. Therefore, the text says in Proverbs 5 that we as husbands should always be satisfied with the breasts of our wife. Husbands, take time to love your wife fully during sex. There's no need to skip over the breasts or any other part of her body. Your wife needs to feel the touch of intimacy from her husband. She needs to know that you are there because you want to be there. And many men today approach sex statistically in a hurry or without a willingness to be intimate with their wife in other areas. And this ought not to be. You should take time with your wife in intimacy. And I believe, brothers, that it will do wonders for your marriage. Now, on the heels of this, I want to mention Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. Now, you may have never even heard of this passage, but it's in the Bible, and I have to say that I don't know of anyone that is fully observing this commandment. But the text says, When a man takes a bride, he must not go out with the army or be liable for any duty. 
he is free to stay at home for one year so that he can bring joy to the wife he is married. Now, I hope that I can train my sons up to be keepers of this commandment, as I'm already well past the time spoken of here, being married for right around 16 years. One point that I want to bring out is the joy that the husband brings to the new wife. And one way to bring this wife joy is in the area of sexual pleasure. And yes, that's exactly what I said. I used those words, sexual pleasure. There's no need to be afraid of it. We're talking about the marriage bit. Let me mention here, as I close out this section about sexual intimacy, let me mention 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. In this text, we're taught that a husband should not deprive his wife of sex, except in cases where they mutually agree on praying and fasting for a time. And the same does go for the wife. She is not allowed to take control of her body and demand that her husband not approach her sexually. And what happens in these cases is a lack of sexual activity leads to either spouse seeking sexual fulfillment elsewhere by means that are unlawful, whether in fornication or adulterous relationships. And yes, men, this means that even when we may not feel like having sex, if our wife desires our body, we must not deprive or defraud her. The text says that we do not have authority over our own body in this area. That authority belongs to the wife and vice versa. The wife does not have authority over her own body in this area, but that authority belongs to her husband. And I want you to also make sure that if you do consent to a time of prayer and of fasting, that you come together again immediately after that time so that you won't be tempted into sexual immorality. I don't believe that there are to be any permanent prayer meetings for either partner. <laughs> a marriage that is sexually active is a thriving marriage. A marriage that is not sexually active is asking for trouble. Let me point out very briefly that there is other cases where sexual activity is to be postponed according to the law of Yahweh. You can read about this in Leviticus chapter 18 where there is a monthly period of time that the wife goes through that Yahweh has graciously given her to replenish and renew her physical body. And when your wife is on that monthly time, uh, you are not allowed to, by the law of Yahweh, to go into her sexually. Uh, she is to be not touched in that way for seven days. And maybe I can teach on that at a later time. But you can read about this in Leviticus chapter 18. And also, I just remembered, in Leviticus chapter 15, there's a lot on that as well. Let me move on. Part of our love towards our wife needs to be one of supplying her physical needs. That's what I talked about last week. Exodus 21.10, food, clothing, and marital rights. A wife is delicate, she's precious, and she's a gift from the Heavenly Father. And the Father has given us men commandments concerning how we are to supply for our wife. And men, I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we have failed miserably more than once, more than twice, more than a dozen times 
But that doesn't mean we ever are to give up. Each and every day, we are commanded to love our wife in these physical areas. And we've looked at these commands in last, the last lesson and also some in this lesson before we move on. And it's our job now to put them into practice. And I want you to remember something I said early on in these lessons. Commitment stops indecision. Commit to providing for your wife if you've not been doing so until today. If you have been to some degree, and sometimes I think us men, we feel like we've done something when maybe we've had just a glimpse of goodness or a glimpse of love towards our wife, and then we think that, hey, everything's okay, but we can all do better. We should never feel like we've arrived at the plateau because our wives are waiting for us to be the husband that meets her physical needs, and we're to make her comfortable and loved and glorious in this life. So what I want to do now is something I don't normally do in these lessons. I want to shift gears. The last half of the lesson, and I don't think we'll get through it all tonight, but the last half of the lesson is going to be on the husband's spiritual duties. Sacred Scripture teaches us that the carnal mind is at enmity with Yahweh, and it cannot subject itself to the law of Yahweh. You can read about that in Romans 8, 6 through 8. And Scripture also teaches us that humanity is dead in trespasses and sin, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. What we need then is a spiritual resurrection that enables us, that gives us the ability to achieve salvation as well as the fruit of salvation. We need the supernatural working of the Spirit's effect upon the heart. And only when that happens will we be able to obey the spiritual commands of the law of Yahweh. You know, people in Christianity today have their own idea of what is spiritual. Maybe they think that clapping their hands really, really hard is spiritual. Or it could be that the louder they say, praise the Lord, the more spiritual that they are. I've known some people like that in my life. And I believe that we should praise Yahweh with our lips and even clap our hands in joy for his wonderful works. I usually clap my hands every Sabbath meeting. But oftentimes we miss the fact that the Bible clearly states that the law, the commandments of Yahweh, are spiritual in and of themselves. See, Paul says this in Romans 7, verse 12, where he writes, For we know that the law is spiritual. See, when Yahweh says, Thou shalt not kill, that is a spiritual command. Keeping the command is a spiritual action. Breaking the command is a fleshly action or a carnal action. Paul continues in the same verse, and he goes on to explain that although the law is spiritual, he is fleshly or he is carnal, and he's sold unto the power of sin. And this is why man cannot, in and of himself, even come unto Yahweh. I want you to think of it along these lines, and we're going to get to the spiritual aspect, but I've got to lay the foundation for the spiritual duties of us husbands. You've got to understand this. It all starts with the supernatural working of the authority and the spirit of Almighty Yahweh. Think about it like this. Lazarus, a friend of Yeshua, had died in John chapter 11. And Yeshua came to the tomb of Lazarus, after he had been dead for four days. Those of us who know the story, we know that Yeshua called out to Lazarus. And what did he tell him? He said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, here Yeshua is telling somebody who is dead to come forth. What does that mean? Well, Lazarus came forth. But what had to happen 
before he could walk out of the tomb. He had to be supernaturally or miraculously resurrected. See, only after the resurrection could he obey the command to come forth. And it is only after the Spirit's work on your heart, husband, that you have the ability to obey the law of the Holy Creator. So, you may not think you are able to love your wife, men. And you know what? You are entirely right. You cannot love your wife in and of yourself. But, with Yahweh's Spirit overtaking your heart and your mind, which is where it all starts, which is why, husbands that are listening to me, if you are not born from above, if you have not come to the foot of the torture stake of Yeshua the Messiah and surrendered your life fully and wholly to Him and had the indwelling presence of the Spirit of Yahweh, which is the Spirit that the Messiah had, indwell your body, you are not able to do the things that I'm talking about in these lessons. You cannot love your wife by yourself, but with Yahweh, you can do all things. And I realize that being a spiritual provider for your wife and your children sometimes seems like it's out of grasp. But you've got to come to grips with realizing that you can't do it. You must place your trust in the Father of heaven and earth and allow Him by His Spirit to work on your mind and your heart and mold you and shape you according to His will. Now, I mentioned the work of the Spirit in this lesson, in this section, specifically because we're dealing with the spiritual duties of the husband. Spiritual duties take a spiritual man. And spiritual men are made spiritual by the power of Yahweh. And in order for you to be the spirit-filled leader, the spiritual leader in your home, you must first acknowledge that it is only through Yahweh that you will be able to accomplish such a task. You must humble yourself, humiliate yourself in the presence of Yahweh, and acknowledge, Yahweh, you are the only way that I'm going to be able to get anything done in my home as it pertains to being a priest. And you need to also seek Yahweh in prayer every day, requesting for yourself more love from Him, more power, more kindness, more tenderness, more spiritual leadership. The Scripture says, Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. Now, as we previously covered in Ephesians 5, Christ loved and gave Himself for the church so that she might be without spot, without wrinkle, and without blemish. And we can look upon this specifically in Him giving us an example to follow men. Christ gave us the example of perfect obedience to the Father. He gave that obedience to the Father, and He shows us that example. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 tells us that if any man claims to be in Christ, he should walk even as Christ walked. Now that's a tough pair of shoes to feel, but strive to feel them we must do. Husbands, you're called to set the spiritual example for your wife. Just as we can look to Yeshua and find an example in his lifestyle, our wives must find a holy example when they look at our life. If we're always slothful, odds are she will be also. If we have a tendency to complain every time something doesn't go exactly as planned, she will probably get on the complaining bandwagon with you. But the flip side is also true. If she sees you in prayer to Yahweh, 
she will probably be prompted to pray herself or either with you during prayer. If she sees you handling your children in a calm yet a disciplined fashion, she'll follow suit. See, your wife is looking for a holy, righteous example to follow in her husband. And she needs to get what she is looking for. Husbands, do you know what makes a woman be more virtuous? It's to have a husband who himself is virtuous. Now, I want you to remember, the virtuous woman's husband is known at the city gates when he sits with the elders of the land. Proverbs 31, verse 23. And I feel that the meaning here is twofold. The husband is known for having a virtuous wife. But what also follows is that he is known as a virtuous man himself. See, he isn't a husband who denounces the authority of the commands of Yahweh. He follows those commands so that his wife will be able to look to him for spiritual guidance and spiritual strength. Husbands, we should make sure that our wife has a spiritual guide in the home. She should see us making all of our decisions in accordance with the law of Yahweh. And if she comes to you with a difficult question, do not be rash by giving an answer off the top of your head. If you know the answer, go ahead and give it. But don't be rash. Don't be so quick if you don't know. Explain to her that you want to search Yahweh's law for the right answer. You want to make sure that the answer you give to such a serious and important question is what the scriptures teach. And I'm guilty of that. I don't humble myself enough thinking that I know everything or that I'm supposed to know everything, but realizing that the more I think I know, the more I don't know. You never want to overstep the boundary of the Bible, husbands. Look to the Bible for the answers to life's problems. Man's answers are like sticking a Band-Aid over the gas light in your car. That's man's answers. Yahweh's answers are like pulling into the station and filling up your tank with gas. <laughs> now, I know people who have had major problems in their life. And it's as though they've continuously wondered what to do about them. And I've approached individuals before by simply asking them what they think about this verse of scripture or that particular biblical law. And, you know, sometimes it's nothing short of just astonishing to see people almost become having a hatred spirit um, when you attempt to answer their earthly question with something from the Bible. And, and sometimes we get to a point where we think we know better than Yahweh. Or we think that we are more moral than the king of all kings. See, you should never think that way. And you should always Always, in all caps, deal with your marriage and your family in a biblical manner. If you ever step outside of the arena of Scripture, even one time, your wife may think that it is okay to do that the next time. If you try to explain why it is not okay, you know what she's going to be quick to point out? Your inconsistency. And it's going to be difficult to achieve that consistent standard again. However, brothers... If you stand firmly on the scriptures, even when your flesh steers you away and you can't possibly imagine how such an answer will work, doesn't matter. Your wife will become confident in your spiritual headship because you trusted in Yahweh with all your heart for the answer and you didn't lean to your own understanding. And you will then be a husband that your wife will be pleased with.
Well, what are some of the ways that we can live as examples to our wife spiritually? Well, you know what? They're simple. There's nothing profound here. Yet they're unknown by many husbands today. And you know why? Because these ways seem too simple. Or maybe some people would call them old-fashioned. Or maybe outdated. <laughs> Let me give you an example. For starters, your wife, husband, needs to see you reading your Bible. Instead of her coming to the table to find you reading the newspaper or the Sports Illustrated magazine, she needs to find you open to the book of Exodus, Romans, Jude. You need to be a Bible reader, saturated in that Bible. There really doesn't need to be a day that you ever go without reading the Bible. You know, I heard a story of an elderly woman who would make the remark that she didn't care if her grandchildren snuck up on her in her home. And her reason went like this. All they're going to find is their grandmother either reading her Bible, praying, or singing praises. See, she wanted her children to find her, to quote-unquote sneak up on her. Now, she didn't do these things for the purpose of self-glorification. Her point was, as an elderly grandmother, she wanted to give them an example. She wanted them to know that their grandmother not only read the Bible when they were watching, but that, that it was a way of life for her. She didn't stop when the grandchildren were gone. She wanted them to grasp that. So you need to set this example for your wife. There's no need to do things to be seen among men as the hypocrites. That's not what I speak about. What I mean is that you should live such a life so that even if your wife finds you alone or sneaks up on you, she doesn't find you you know, reading the newspaper or doing something that is unlawful or unholy. But she rather finds you doing something lawful. For example, men, and this is something that not a lot of preachers are dealing with nowadays, but it needs to be dealt with because it's such a serious problem, even in the church. And that is the issue of pornography. Your wife doesn't need to worry about finding you looking at pornography on the Internet. Instead, she should find you searching for a Bible verse. Because if you are constantly in service to the king, it won't matter what time your wife needs to call upon you. You will be spiritually ready for any warfare that comes your way. And I don't have much time left, so let me just hammer on that pornography thing for a second and how it will destroy and ruin you and it will ruin your marriage and it will ruin your family. All that is, is this false sense of gratification with these whores and harlots that sell their body to these magazines, or to these internet sites. And men, every time that you give in to that, you are slapping Yeshua across the face and you are pulling his precious beard out of his cheeks. And it will kill you. Satan does not want anything more than for you to be drawn away after your own desires and lust. Brothers, if you have an issue here, go to your wife. Be humble. Explain this to her. Tell her that you're not coming because you want a pity party, but you're coming because you need help. And I guarantee you she'll see more 
of manliness in you for admitting that than just continuing on in secrecy. It's like a monster. And when you feed that monster by looking at pornography, when you feed that, it grows bigger and bigger and bigger and it gets more and more difficult to fight. And what it takes, I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. Number one, it's going to take some accountability and it's going to take the help of trusted brethren or it's going to take the help of your wife herself. But also what it's going to take is, is much fasting and prayer. Because these things are driven by demonic activity. Yes, Brother Matthew believes in demonic activity. And they can grab a hold to the best of men and they can tear them apart. You know, look at King David. King David had an issue come up with pornography. It may not have been the same pornography that we deal with now in 2013. But David went out on the porch there and he saw Bathsheba, which was the wife of Uriah, bathing. And what did he say? I need to take that woman. And then what did he do? He had Uriah stuck at the front of the line in battle so that he would be killed. And that was the one matter in David's life where he fell short from the perfection of the law of Almighty Yahweh according to the book of First and Second Kings was in the matter of Uriah the Hittite and what drew him away? The lust of the flesh. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.